So welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. And today I've got the pleasure of having great friend Ryan Crowley on the podcast and the video for YouTube. Um, so Ryan, I've known for a few years. He is a bit of a mutant for being ginormous for his age, which I believe you're now 24. He may well correct me this. But Ryan is an incredible oh, physique. Are you, you 24? Yeah, I'm 24 now. I'm 25 next year. Really you're, old. You're, you're practically old, Ryan. So um, Ryan's got a plethora of experience competing and also traveling around the world. And then we also spent some time together in Dubai earlier in the year, which went in a slightly different tangent than I was probably expecting. And initially, Ryan, do you want to give some perspective maybe on like how you first came into bodybuilding maybe and like how you in where you got to before you were at in Dubai? Yeah, of course. Sorry about my voice. Um, it's not come back properly. But so, yeah, I started bodybuilding when I was 15 years old, accidentally, not, not deliberately by myself. It wasn't something I chose to do. But uh, I, I was fat as a kid, you know, wanted to better myself. And I was working as a mechanic and next door to the garage was a bodybuilding gym. And I remember seeing people go in, in and out like big guys in hoodies. And I was like, oh, they're cool. And uh, yeah, I just one day I managed to like, oh, okay, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go see what's happening. So I went inside and I said to the guy, I said, um, can, can you help me? And he said, yeah, of course, I'll help you, but uh, you, you have to do that. And I said, what's that? There was a poster on the wall of a bodybuilding show. It was like seven, seven months in advance. I said, I don't even know what bodybuilding is, man. He said, okay, well, if you want my help, let's do it. We're doing that. I said, okay. That was it. He helped me to do my diet, my posing every day, trained me everything. And uh, that was where it started, to be honest. But yeah, so since then, I've done 22 or 23 shows now. I actually have 19 trophies or medals here in the house. But they're pretty well. Uh, I've been one point off my pro card maybe five times now. Won my class a lot. Just never won the overall to get my pro card. Competed in Vietnam, Portugal, Italy, loads of different countries. And uh, everything was going good on the horizon. I went to America, started meeting all the right people. And then I went to Dubai and changed everything. So, so that will come to... So firstly, obviously, Ryan has got a huge amount of experience from a very young age and really like risen, obviously, very quickly through everything. And then how come you ended up in Dubai in the first place? Well, because... I'm trying to I'm trying to go to America and it's I came back to the UK to see my parents for Christmas and at the time because of COVID you couldn't fly America to UK. So I thought I'll go to Dubai a couple of weeks, then you can fly to America. However, two weeks turned into nine months. And so it was a bit longer than I intended to. Because obviously I've been there maybe two, three, four, five weeks and we we're we we're enjoying it, you know, oh, I'll stay a bit longer. And then I got injured. Okay. So, um, and for anyone who doesn't know about that, that came don't about. Think anyone doesn't know me. <laughs> so this is this is this is where the conversation is going to get interesting. So, when obviously you, myself, and Larry Wills had arranged to train, and we decided to go obviously do like, yeah, uh, your fault, Charlie. I actually do. I did actually, and I still do feel incredibly guilty about. It, to be fair, no, you shouldn't. But it's one of those things in terms of how. Like what they call the butterfly effect, how like other people's decisions can change other people's courses or other people's lives. And I remember saying to you at the time, which we'll come on to, like how you can spin this into a positive in a lot of respects. But 
how do you think that day changed your life or that moment almost? Well, I mean, for one, I've never been in so much pain instantly and for a long time. Two, obviously, before that, maybe for seven, seven years, been working towards something that kind of, even then, or that mainly then was, in my eyes, over. Still, now a little bit, I still think I probably won't ever be as good bodybuilder as I could have been before the injury. Obviously, a lot of attention, social media, etc., has changed too, which is great, and I'm very appreciative of it, and it's amazing, but I wouldn't want that for the injury. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you tore your pack delivery, mate. I said, no way, man. Like, I would definitely have, <laughs> I would, if I had the choice, I would be banging that rewind button. Yeah. And that's uh, an interesting one. How, what was your, do you think, for anyone who doesn't know, what was, what was the scientific term of what happened with your injury, Brian? So pectoralis rupture major. So obviously most people get tear of the muscle belly or maybe tear the tendon off the bone. This thing just completely exploded. The whole pec, like say it's a muscle exploded like this, the tendon just disintegrated everything was in pieces so they had to fix it all you know and for anyone who hasn't if you head over to my youtube or larry woodswood youtube you can sort of see what happened but in regards to the surgeon and how he obviously managed to fix and repair that he obviously has done a pretty good job wouldn't you say yeah i think again it was supposed to take one hour took six hours everyone else in the surgery room with him told him that it was impossible and I, before I went in, I said, mate, don't leave that room until it's done. So he let, when he left the room, it was done. I mean, it's just, he's done a great job, yeah. Now I've been in the year and using it as much as possible. Well, no, no, not as much as possible. As much as my, my brain allows me to, because I'm just so scared, man. Like, I'm just really scared to use it. Yeah, I'm just really scared to use it, and it really messes me up in my head, you know. Like, nearly now I can train everything else. Um, getting back into a groove a little bit. But every time, like, okay, let's do some chest, it just, it just, fuck it, it just kills me, man. And it just puts me off. I don't want to train. I get embarrassed. And then I just, just want to leave the gym. But I have been doing a lot. I was doing lots of rehab in Dubai. I haven't been doing as much rehab here because I haven't really found a, a guy local to me. The guy I've been speaking to is five hours north. So, yeah, but it's, apart from the fact that we're actually just messing up my chest training, thought I was Superman. I'm no longer Superman anymore. You know, I thought I was indestructible. And now I just feel so vulnerable because before I used to think, okay, I get a hack squat. I'm going to move it as many, many times as I can until I can't. And that's it, you know, with anything, to be honest. But I didn't think you would actually break. But now, obviously, I know you do. I just kind of can't seem to get that out of my head. Do you think that this happening has almost changed your identity of the way you think about yourself in some respect? Not really. The only thing that it does change is obviously everyone and their dog knows me for the injury, which is a bit, I find it a bit sad, you know, because in my head, it makes me feel like I haven't done anything else. And I felt like I was doing really well at bodybuilding, you know, like in bodybuilding, like all the top pros, everyone that we look up to all know my name, you know, I'm good friends with them. They were all like proud of me, how I was doing, progressing every year. And obviously now everything has just gone to the injury. 
kind of it's like everything I've, I've really worked hard for has kind of gone to the sideline. So it's a bit sad, you know, especially at the Arnold, man. The Arnold here in the UK, like I went there, it was amazing. There was so many people who stopped me. It was queues, the pictures, and to sign things. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. But like, it's just sad because 98% of people are like, oh, how's a peck, you know? The odd person's like, man, I was following you before, you know? But uh, yeah, it's just, I guess it's, it is what it is, right? How, it's, it's, it's a sorry state of affairs, but I imagine you're sick of answering questions about it. No, I mean, it's very, it's very beneficial to some people, you know, even if they haven't got an injury or something, maybe they're going through something they're struggling to and are benefited and motivated and a lot of people around the world with it um, some way or another, which I am really appreciative and grateful to be able to do because it's obviously, a, if it hadn't happened, it's a special way you can touch people emotionally that are going through something similar. So I'm always very open on social media, always have been, but obviously now people have seen this part of it do. A lot more people reach out to me in terms of like emotionally, you know. But I think that's where a lot of value, I think that's where a lot of people being dear to you because it shows vulnerability because people might look up to someone like you on social media and think that you have everything and everything's perfect. And when something doesn't go quite the way it's supposed to or something goes wrong, that's when you really see like the test and the people and how they manage the situations. And I think the way you've managed everything, I think is remarkable. And actually one thing I, I was highly impressed with is the amount of muscle mass you didn't lose. Like how much, how much did you weight? I lost a lot. But, uh, I actually like, lost a lot, man. I went, I was 338, I think on the day when I was with you. And then I got down to a point about 287, which was the worst. But now I'm about 304, but I'm still 15 kilos down, isn't it? I still, still feel very small, man. It's this weird one because I don't know how much of it is actually muscle and how much of it is just glycogen from the sheer, like the way I used to train. Because, you know, I used to train train for hours. Yeah, I, was always, I was always pumped. I was always, I was always eating loads of carbs. You know, I just don't, I'm not the same person right now. Because I go in there with like, I'm very strict on most things that are legs, to be honest. Well, I'm even strict on that because I'm scared too. So I just, I just don't get the same like, oh, come out of gym feeling jacked anymore because everything's so focused and in one plane of motion, you know? Everything's so slow. There's no like actual, ah, let's just kill it. You know, I just I don't get that same feeling anymore. And I feel like that, one, not allowing me to eat enough to put the weight back up. And two, I'm not getting the same pump, but, um, I, am, I have been for a week now just dieting a little bit because I want more of a short-term goal because it's kind of not, I was eating really badly and well, I wasn't getting fat, but I was just getting a bit more out of shape than I like to and, you know. What's the short-term goal then? I just want to, well, obviously now, man, you know, as you know, it's, everything right now is just social media for me. You know, one of my short-term goals is to grow as much as possible Two, obviously with that, if you look at the top performers on social media, they like strategy around. So obviously the leaner I get, the better it is for social media. So I thought, that's one goal. And two, I do want to compete at some point, but I'm just, Peck looks so bad, man. Like, it really does. I see think... that front relaxed pose. You know, that first pose when you come out just looks so bad. Look, I'll show you on here. I think um, it's one of those things. I think it's not, 
I think in your head it's worse than you think it is. Whereas I think in reality, if most people didn't know what happened, they probably wouldn't clock clock it. Do you know what I mean? But it's because oh, man, it does it does look really really bad. You can see it's more just like scarring on it. To be honest with you, and slightly. Smaller. Well, the problem is right now can't use my pet. Well, to the, to the standard that it would fill up with blood and glycogen to get pumped to the same with the front delt so therefore they're not like actually expanding much and then the actual thing that looks the worst is the fake tendon the tendon is like really sharp little sharp line of it here and that that's what looks the worst you know i can't really like cover up the line and the leaner i get the worse it's gonna look so the fake tendon they actually put in what's that made of some bio stuff material what happened is they they sew your pec together and then they like take some muscle fibers uh like twindle them in with some bio stuff and drill it into my humerus and then they wrap it with metal cord there's like a backup but that was what i was having problems with you know i was having those cysts yeah they actually pulled that metal cord out well half of it and now they're taking it out, it's been okay. Like, I don't have any problems with that anymore. See, it's looking much better, isn't it? But, yeah. What, what would you say to anyone else who's going through a similar sort of thing in terms of an injury like this? Sorry, my, my throat's just very bad. I know it sounds very, like, horsey. Sorry. There's a lot of things to it, you know. There's a lot of people ask how I stay motivated, how do I keep doing what I do? But I think ultimately the thing is I, I, I've done everything I can pretty much since the injury like I was before. I didn't want the injury to just change my life for the worst completely. You know, I went for a period of being in hospital and everything and still can't train the spec, but I wanted to resume what I was doing as, as quick as I could in terms of training the rest of my body. I just want to be successful in, in life, you know, and I was always, bodybuilding was the path to it. And it's just, Every day you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and just, I try not to think about it too much because you know, if I think about it too much, that's when I get really sad and, I'm, and uh, it gets me down. There's just so, there's so many people that believe in me as well. I just can't give up on that, you know. I think it's, it's just, it, it is what it is, you know. It happened for a reason. I don't know what the reason is. Maybe one day I'll find out. But uh, obviously in terms of bodybuilding, not really anyone was coming up in bodybuilding had an injury gone down and come back up again it was always they're at the top of bodybuilding so i do want to be able to still make it to the top if i can because that would be pretty cool you know like, i remember that guy when he was 20 you know major injury now you know that's kind of why i hope to do but we will see because you have to be very careful with this sort of thing i think it's one of those things that it just again i personally believe in you and believe you can do it if that's any credit to you and i also think that thank you you have the right work ethic and attitude to do that. But again, it's just the key of how, how much you want it and having the right information and the knowledge around you. But how insane would that be to get to that level like whilst going through those challenges? And also that would make you the only person to do that, which again, which would be even more impressive. Yeah, I know. That's kind of one of the things that keeps driving me too. And it's just, as you know, what the smallest decision can have the biggest impact on your life. So every time I'm in the gym, I'm like, okay, right, let's push it, let's push it, you know? I'm like, oh, smallest decision, Ryan, remember what happened? And they're ah, oh, okay, don't, don't worry, let's leave it. But then I'm like, if I don't push through this, man, it's not going to get better. And like, 
it's where everyone's oh, was it too heavy? We should have done this and like that. But give it, man, I'm a bodybuilder. Every time I go to the gym, something's too heavy. But if I don't do that, I wouldn't have been 300 pounds of sort. So it's this mindset you have trying to be best at anything, you know, like business, bodybuilding, crypto, or whatever you want to do. You always got this line. You're like, okay, I'm going to go over it a little bit today. I'm going to go over it a little bit today just to try to get to the next level. And then you're like, oh, shit, I went too much. It was driving a car, right? Oh, man, we'll do this corner really fast. You know, it's going to be fun. Oh, shit, bang, re. Oh, I was a little bit too fast. You know, it's just, I hate when people are like, oh, you're lifting on this. All right, maybe I was a bit more jacked up because you and Larry were there and, you know, it was getting filmed and stuff. But it is what it is. I just, what well, I never thought it was going to be me and it was me. So, have you, have you heard of the story Icarus who like flies too close to the sun? So I think it's like Greek mythology and then gets burnt. That's basically the way I try and think a lot of the time. It's just, you almost like, you know, you're talking about going over the lines, like you want to just like dip your toe over, but like, yeah it's so easy to go too full on with, with anything. And then once yeah. you've gone too far, you can't, it's difficult to then come back. So that, that was a really good analogy. You're trying to explain that to be fair. Do you think back to that moment a lot? I was thinking about a lot. Cause I remember, I remember when it happened, you first tried to unrack the weight and then struggled and then put it back. And then, yeah. And I remember saying to you, just, just do 200, just do four and a half plates. And like, and that, that's still shit. Load. If I'm honest, man, I, I, I still think 200 would have done the same thing. I think ultimately the, the science behind it is because my left shoulder is, is was very pain, is, is very, has been long-term painful. I think I always try to do more with my right arm. Therefore, this arm was taking so much more weight and the tendon just couldn't hold. Like the more people I speak to, that's what they think happened, you know, because this shoulder is very painful still now. I don't have to be training, man. Um, I've had loads of injections in it too. Um, I think realistically I need surgery on this, but uh, I won't be doing that. <laughs> what do you think the left shoulder injury was from? Just wear and tear? Yeah, as I, can remember, I can't remember any major injury, I think. Just shoulder pressing, maybe too much weight. You know, As you know, I always like to train heavy and always have since I was young. I think when you start packing on so much muscle, everything moves, the tendons move. You know, you're putting through so much stress and maybe you, you feel so pumped and then you're like unpumped. I don't know. I think it's just messed up the bicep tendon in here and it's pulled it out of its groove. And then they've actually got is it tendinopathy and a slap tendon tear. I think, yeah, that's what it is. But you know, I, I, I don't, I obviously the weight was too much, but I just don't like talking about it like that because I could say that about anything, you know, even if you didn't have a major injury, but to say, you were doing the leg extensions one time and, oh, my knee hurts. And then for the rest of your life, your knee hurts. There's no injury, but you just, you know, something happens, your knee and it hurts. You're like, you know, you don't want to think about it. You're like, oh, I was just trying to do my best, man. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. I think um, what was in, uh, incredibly uh, amazing to see was how supportive your girlfriend's been through the whole thing. Who stood there? Yeah, sorry, yeah, can you? Did you, um, uh, how supportive? Yeah, yeah, yeah I heard what you said. Yeah. Yeah, I know she's been amazing and, Especially when, when it happened in Dubai, she didn't leave the hospital once, I think, unless she was trying to get some clothes that she, she'd been wearing for seven days. But uh, yeah, no, she, she really is my, my best friend. and She's always by my side every time someone sees me, she's always with me. And, and your, your, family, well. your, your family are also super supportive as well, aren't they? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm very close to mom and dad too. And it's, I know they found it really hard not being able to be there, and I found that really hard too, but we were on FaceTime them every day. 
they will have to every day in my way. They were always face. But when I was there, we were FaceTiming them and stuff. And I think maybe if Megan wasn't there, they would have come out because I would have really struggled. But I, I, if I was alone, man, I, I really don't think I'd probably be here right now because it really, really, it was really hard. Especially even after the surgery. Couldn't feel my arms or legs and for about three days. And I was being sick constantly. And they had to give me so much anesthesia. Five times the amount of anesthesia they would with a normal human, right? And so that it made me really ill and I couldn't feel my limbs afterwards because some science term, but it, I was in such a bad way after it because not even at my direct, my pet, the rest of my body just felt like I was dead. You know, I was like throwing up all over myself and I couldn't move. And I was so hot. And the nurses there were like, oh, it's okay. I'm like, it's not okay. It's not okay. Dog. You so yeah, to- I'm just, I'm so blessed to have a mom and dad and then, Megan too, and this close knit circle. You know, there's not many people that are in my life, but the, the, these these people that are are joined at the hip. You know? Yeah, I think as a testimony to that, the fact that you're doing like you can see in the background all the family photos and stuff, and obviously on the video on here, uh, it says a lot. Yeah. So this is what the whole house is like. Yeah, I don't know if that's you horse riding in the background, Ryan, but I probably presume not. No, no, no it's not. It's it's my brother's daughter. This is these are all the my my nieces and nephews yeah my brothers and sisters kids i think but here's me and my mom not a long time ago. in regards to your plans of getting obviously like back to top is obviously one is the big goal and then obviously to prove other people that you can do it what's your approach and thought process with that and have you reached out to anyone else you've sort of like mentored you in the past like bpac or milos or anyone like that of interest yeah I, well when i reach out to these people they're one they're like you fucking idiot and two they're like, just be, just be slow, you know, and don't rush anything, which is true, right? Because especially with how much social media attention it's all got and now, if I was to do the same thing again, you know what I mean? I just, I wouldn't even want to put my face on social media again. I just, I feel like, especially after obviously the whole GoFundMe thing and I, I, mean, I didn't do it. I didn't force anyone to do it because I've got a lot of negativity about it, but it was amazing too. And, Obviously, it wouldn't have happened without that. But there was a lot of negativity after that. And after I tore it again, it was only minor. But again, you're like, oh, you made the wrong play. Now you've been a fucking twat bench pressing again. I was like, I didn't do it bench pressing, mate. I've still got my arm in a fucking sling. You know, it's just it's the way the population are. Aren't they? they just want to be negative about everything. Yeah. And, I think- and that's what I, think I find about the UK so much. Been back here, what, five weeks now? It's too long. I want to leave. Yeah, I think well, the only thing I like it's just nice to be here, mom and dad. That's it. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I like. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about. I think there's more negativity. I think in in our culture than maybe some other places. In terms of your training, at the moment, where you go? Let me continue. Okay, it was. Um, I don't know who said this to me. Right, it's it's a little bit of it's a bit interesting, but it's so true. If you look at that are like my comments on social media or your comments on social media. I don't know about yours, but okay, let's just say general people's on social media comment messages, everything. The minority it is of being British people is so amazing, and I, I always wondered why. But this, this person said to me, it's because, for example, Indians, Asians, all these sort of people. One, they love muscle, but two. They're not scared to show that they, they fanboy. You know, they're not scared to show that, oh, man, I think you're really amazing. You know, like, 
they post that, oh, I love you, Ryan, thank you so much. And it's so true. It's like, if you're it's a British person, they're like, oh, no, I can't say, oh, 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 he's really cool, it's embarrassing, you know, everyone's going to think I'm gay. It's so true, right? Yeah, right. Like, all the people that are in different countries that we've traveled to, everyone's like, oh, wow, man, you look really good. Can you help me? Or you've really motivated me or everything. I'm like, but I also know that these people in the UK are thinking the same thing, but they just think it's gay or whatever it is. To them to say it to you, just in case someone calls them out, be like, oh, mate, why, why are you brown nosing him? You know what I mean? That's literally it. Everyone's just too scared to look in a certain way. I believe that's true. Well, if you, if you look at like people in central London, for example, everyone commutes, they see the same people every day, but no one speaks to each other. They sit in silence on like, the train. Yeah, well. right. How, how awkward is that? But if that, was, if that was in a different country, it would be so totally different. Yeah. That's what always, I always find amazing in the US is like people just randomly come up to you and be like, I like your hair, I like your shoes, or like whatever. Just like making a nice, polite yeah. conversation. And it's nice. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, know it's, I, I think it's even, well, not even worse, but it's the same thing in like the bodybuilding fitness kind of world. No one really wants to help anyone out. You know, before it was, oh, I don't want to train with you, mate, because you'll help my physique look better on stage and then you might beat me. But even now it's like, oh, you want to train, man? Like, let's get some Instagram stuff. They're like, because you're like, because they don't want you to gain their followers and sort of shit. And I'm like, oh man, well, that's that's the way the world works, mate. I will help you out. You help me out. Apparently not. But it's the same in a business perspective. I find the same thing with people in the UK have a very like scarcity mindset. They're not willing to help other people. Whereas people from like US yeah. and Canada will like jump on a call and tell you anything you want. And like, it's just very very interesting. Yeah, very true. It's like there's enough money and enough things in this world for us all to be successful. Why, why do you think that you telling him something's going to stop you from losing money, making money, you know? 100%. Now, one thing I think is interesting, obviously you alluded to it a minute ago, obviously the GoFundMe page was done after your injury to help with funding the surgery, which was awesome. I think the surgery was what, like $30,000 or something? Uh, it was actually £39,000 in the end. Plus there was obviously more fees when we actually had to check out. But I think in total, just hospital fees, it was probably £50,000, maybe a little bit more. But obviously after that, I had all the rehab fees and the extra visits to the surgeon and everything. It was just a complete nightmare, you know? Here's the, the bomb drop. Can you imagine if that wasn't filmed and if there was that guy that, I don't know who it was, the guy who was with Ar- uh, Larry, who's filming on the mobile phone, if he didn't have that video... And, uh, Sharif, yeah. Yeah, Sharif, like... Do you know what I mean, like that would be in a shit show then, because obviously, yeah, of course, right. So, so we try and try and look to the positives of it. If it was here in the UK, I would have gone on NHS and they would have told me that they couldn't fix it because I know a lot of people here that have done the same and they've said can't do it just because they can't bother. Or I could have gone somewhere else to get it done, but then I again wouldn't have still had the money. You know, I don't have twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand pounds of my bank saved up just waiting to spend on an injury or even waiting to spend on anything. I just kinda of live paycheck to paycheck, to be honest, trying to save what I can. But yeah, if that wasn't if that hadn't happened then I wouldn't have had it fixed, you know, and, and again, so grateful for that and still in shock a lot that it went up so much and people were willing to donate that. But I think that again shows through my personality, you know, the, I'm so open, I'm so genuine to everyone, and I'm trying, I'm not well, trying, I'm just, I feel like I'm a very likable person, and I think that was maybe one of the reasons why people, a lot of people did donate, you know, if I was a 
get a lot of negative comments like, oh, you're arsehole and shit. And I'm like, well, if I wasn't arsehole, I don't think all these people would have helped me out. You know? There's a lot to be said for that. And I think it's one of those things what's nice to see is that when someone's having a shit time, that like other people pull in to try and help out. Because it's one of those things you never know when you need someone to help you. And I think that's one of those problems where people are so arrogant and almost mean to other people sometimes. It's like, you never know when you might need someone's help. Exactly right. There'll be these people that are commenting on my stuff. And next they're going, oh, Ryan, can you share my GoFundMe, please? Like, legitimately, it would be something like that. Now, when it comes back to... Can I have a training program? Yeah. Well, could you train for me for free, please? Yeah. And to be fair, I've had that. I had that with someone trolling me the other day, and I was just like, they they trolled me, and then they wanted something for free, and it's like it's just ironic. There you go. Yeah. The nature of the beast. And with your plans of obviously getting back to the top, what what are you looking to do strategically from a training nutrition side of things? Or are you still sort of feeling that out at the moment, just being very tight in terms of training execution and, and cautious in that respect? Yeah, I mean, you know me. Obviously, I learned from Beth, Muscle Doc, Jordan Shallow, all those sort of people. So. My exercise execution in my head, I know exactly what I'm doing and I know how to do everything. And uh, I'd say 80% of the time, I was always good good form, you know, good execution. Sometimes I thought, I need to put the weight on, you know, get some fun because it, you know, I do like chucking the weight around a little bit. But uh, yeah, definitely now everything's kind of slapped down to being executed as well as I can with an injury, you know, like sometimes I'm training back. If I protract too much, it kind of scares me. So trying to keep that back as much as possible. And obviously, I do think that if I was training heavier, that maybe I would be, have more fullness to my muscles right now and everything would look a little bit better. But again, it's that like way off. I'm just too scared, man. I think it just takes time. And I really thought it'd be quicker than this, you know, like, was it March? Yeah, it was eight months now, but 10, seven months now. I really thought by now that I would be like training the pec pretty scared, not not as scared as I am. You know, like when I'm using it right now, I'm like staring at it the whole time and overcompensating because well, I haven't trained my other pec too since, right? Because I thought well, I don't want to keep training this pec really hard and that get really big and this be awful. So, but now when I'm trying to train this pec, I've just like got no feeling. Like for me to contract, it's really hard. And like obviously this one's like high, oversensitive, so like I can contract this. And it's like touching. It's like whoa! But this one's like just was dead. But uh, yeah, just be careful as I can and try to get muscle back and get bigger again. You know, um, I don't really know what I'm going to do about the way the tendon looks. Um, but I know that Kevin Lebron obviously had a really bad tear, similar, and uh, he managed to carry on afterwards. But you could never see his tendon. He just had like a bit of a, a hole in the pec, and it looked okay. But I definitely think mine right now, anyway, looks worse. What's your, your training look like when you're doing chest at the moment? Is it just a lot of isolation work? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, so yesterday, I just did a decline hammer strength. I did the incline hammer strength, the pec deck, the cable flies. Everything was kind of single-armed because I want to really focus and controlling it. So I'm doing everything one arm at a time still very light you know everything's under 25 kilos maximum it's weird because the other arm is still not like if i if i put 20 kilos on the hammer strength press and do them both at the same time this arm still struggles the same it's really weird but right now this one's not that much stronger than the other 
these move like like they're injured both. Um, but obviously it's just because I haven't trained it either, I guess. I'm just kind of doing a bit of like more. I'd say maybe a push because I'm trying to do a bit of shoulder and front delt on the same day too. Because I'd say for a long time now, I've just kind of go in the gym and do a little bit on every body, on every muscle, you know, because again, I can't go in there and smash back and train chest really hard. So I can't just do upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body. It's just really hard, you know. I still am struggling. You know? I have to admit, you know, I try to put it off in my head, but I just don't think about it. Let's go through it. Then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm struggling. I think it's one of those things. It's just, uh, what's that saying? Like time heals all wounds. Like it's just going to take time and eventually it will start to like go. Do you know what I mean? But it's, yeah, it's, it's only been eight, eight months. But, yeah. I mean, but it sounds like, so it feels like a long time, but it's just one of those things that's never going to go back to how it was. You know, I don't think I've ever had anything like that happened to me in my life before you know well no i haven't where like something's if you get a cut or something you can't use it or you break your arm you know you break your arm for example broken my hand broke my arm everything it's all it's all back now it's fine and it looks looks the same you wouldn't even know but obviously with this now it's forever gonna look the way it does when you broke your arm for example do you lose a lot of muscle tissue then uh on that arm yeah because obviously you put a cast on it and you don't see it at all I took out a cast and I was like, it was like just a skinny rod. I was like, wow. But I do remember after that training again for a few months, it was really hard. But it was fine. You know, it never really set me back long term. I broke my hand too. So none of those things really, really ever messed me up. I think definitely the muscle, I think I would rather have broken a bone than tore the muscle for sure. I think obviously it wouldn't have been, in terms of bodybuilding, much bad damage. I think maybe if you break your, your leg, that would be quite bad. 100%. I think also the fact that you wouldn't be able to walk and you become super immobile, I then think it'd be difficult to then try and keep body weight off because right. you can't really move. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, it's a little bit different, but obviously when I was in the, the, the cast sling with my pet, Megan was doing everything for me pretty much because one, I'm not left-handed, but two, I'm just also scared that like moving my body too much is irritating it, you know, because I just wanted to keep it as like this as much as possible. And like, even laying down and getting up off bed, I couldn't do it myself. I know it sounds stupid, but when you contract your abs, somehow it's connected to your pet up here. Every time I'd move my abs, oh, man, it really hurt. So like, I couldn't lay down or anything. I was like, my pillows were like 10 pillows up. I was just sat up sleeping like this. I imagine you were scared to like sneeze or cough as well. Yeah, anything like that. It's crazy. Because I think, obviously, when it happened, that was extremely painful. But I went home afterwards, didn't I? And laid down on the bed, and then it cramped. And then I could see it literally pulling away across my body in front of my own eyes. And it's solid. It's literally ripping off the bone even more. That was so painful. I was screaming. I'm punching the wall. Going man- mental. And Megan's got her elbow in it, trying to, like, help it release off. And my fucking cold summer. She's calling people. She's like, oh, I bring to Amy. And I thought, all right, let's go down there. And then obviously we went down and we had to wait for Dr. Shine because someone else would have cut it open and said, nah, can't do it, mate. You know? That's where I think you have to like look at that as a positive that you obviously got. Obviously what happened was shit, but that you got, I don't know if luck is the right word, but you got fortune in the fact of the guy who could yeah. have fixed it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone's anywhere else in the world that could have done a better job. I just dealt with the way I am, right? 
hundred percent. What would you say in terms of like, I, I actually remember as well, after the um, injury had happened that we went out for food, maybe like, like 10 days, maybe two weeks afterwards. And I remember having to cut food up for yeah, you, yeah. like, and, um, <laughs> how, how awkward I forgot about that. Yeah. And like literally how terrified you were to like knock it on anything. Cause you were walking around with this massive like yeah. cast of almost like you, you like with your elbow, Yeah, you were like, walking through the mall and I was like yeah. this, right? Anyone fucking even touching it. Yeah. So you, you could see how like concerned and almost fragile you were with it. But even now, man, if I'm carrying a bag with that arm or I slip, I'm still scared that if I slip and catch the arm, it's just going to bang off again, you know? That like jolty movement is the worst for it. Not even just putting it under load, like bench pressing. Like if I was to get, if you were to run into me right now and push my arm back, I think it would just come off again. I think there's That's a lot. I'm most scared of, about. It's almost like, um, I've damaged all the ligaments in my ankle. It's almost like a neurological memory that your body just remembers as soon as you go into that position, like, holy shit, this is what happened before. Do you, do you feel a bit like that, maybe? I tr- obviously, I've tried not to think about it yeah, actually too much, but uh, I don't really remember the day of it happening. Like, I don't remember, because obviously, uh, as soon as you're after, I was banging down the painkillers, and then they give you morphine, and everything they give me in hospital is on that bill. So I've got like 700 pieces of A4 paper with what they gave me, because obviously they charge you for everything. So you've got like morphine, you've got syringe, you know, everything, everything on there, everything they've given you is on there. And like when you're there, you're like, yeah, give me more painkillers. And then you look back and you're shit, I was another 50 quid. Yeah, it racks up quickly. Well, you think, oh yeah, I imagine Dubai's expensive, but like the US as well, like medical bills there. Wait, did you have surgery? No, no, no. The um, medical bills in the US and stuff would be insane as well. All right, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I think it's probably worse than in Dubai, though. Why do you think that is? Just because everything is more expensive in Dubai. Yeah. Even though when I'm there, I'm like, oh, it's not too bad, man. You know, like, because obviously I was paying the same amount for the hotel apartment as I was as my apartment in America. And I had a cheap car. Just, I think the daily things you spend money on is where it racks up, you know? Like, you go to a shop, get a Red Bull, it's like five pound of Red Bull. And then, like, obviously, the gym day passes or wherever you're doing. I think it's the daily occurrence spending. Apart from, like, the outright payments of rent and car and whatever, I think it's the daily money. 100%. To are, you, on, are you going back soon? I know you're back and forth quite a lot. December, hopefully. So I'm going to Finland next month randomly. But Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. I'm going to see the Northern Lights and go, like, snowmobiling and stuff like that. So... Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, you know you can sleep in those like ice igloo things. Where you yeah, yeah, in that. So that yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, so that should be pretty. Is that really expensive or not too bad? This sounds really random, and anyone who's in Finland who can hook me up, let me know. The most expensive thing, the flights are really expensive, like because we have to get like internal flights. It, it sounds oh, really? no sense at all to fly to Helsinki and into. Some it must be something down to, to the weather warnings and stuff. You know, maybe it's not safe to fly. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like weird like that. I don't think there's a lot of flights there either as well. So I think that's what racks it up a bit. But um, yeah, so Dubai uh, is definitely somewhere. I like Dubai this time of year is, is nice. Not so much in the summer. Like when we, mate, when we trained legs in August, wait, it was, was awful. It? That, that was no, horrendous. Yeah, August. Maybe it was August. Yeah, I know. Well, obviously we stayed there all year, didn't we? Until we came home, maybe four weeks ago, whatever it was. But uh, yeah, man, it was so hot. When people are like, oh, it's like 50 degrees. I'm like, yeah, okay, we're right. It's not okay. Like, that, that, so, um, so for anyone for context, basically they built like a new leg area in Banu's gym, but they didn't put any air conditioning in there yet. So yeah. we're training in there. Like legitimately, it was probably 45 degrees in there. 
I think you were sick at one point. It was like a literal sauna. Mm. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, it was. You went off and did your running about split, like, did you Bulgarian split squats or something like that? And I was throwing up. I was like, well, you was oh, I've just done these. Like, oh, right. Yeah, so to finish on a positive note, for anyone who's listening who obviously the big thing you did was obviously build a lot of muscle very quickly in your youth, although you are still very young. What would you say are the three main things you'd focus on for anyone who's looking to, to emulate that like progression? Consistency, man. Like, and I, I think too many people these days are too. The word I'm going to use is picky, but I don't mean that. I think too. Uh, I don't. Okay, yeah, just to say it's too picky. I think they're like too worried about what they're doing, but actually doing it. They're like, oh, I need a logbook. I need to get my Rice Krispies post workout. I need to do this. I need to do that. Mate, just go to the gym, live as heavy as you can, eat as much decent food as you can consistently, and you will grow. I think so many people are overcomplicating over that, and it really annoys me. Like, oh, yeah, I've got my pre-workout black cocoa pops or my post-workout white cocoa pops. I know, I know you eat cocoa pops, but the point is, is I feel like people think about what they're doing too much, especially that when they're young as well. They're like, oh, I want to compete, and oh, I'm not big enough. And I think, that's what I say to everyone, I say, look, if you want to compete, go do it now. Do it this year. You know, like, start a diet now and get on stage. Because if you don't, you're going to get in that little cycle of, oh, I'm not big enough, not good enough. I'll wait till next year. Then I'll wait till next year. Then next year, five years down the line, you've never been on stage. You haven't established your name in the fitness industry at all. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to get on stage now. And then everyone's like, oh, it's a 25-year-old. You know, looks good, but, uh, you know. I think, again, in this world, you need to you have an established name. I know it's such shit, but uh, the more times you're on stage and the, the better you get in front of people that are watching, it helps in terms of like trying to make money from the sport, in terms of clients, coaching, sponsors. Two, obviously, then you learn how to diet. Three, when your body goes from dieting to bulking, you, without being scientific, once you get to a lean point, next time you get lean, it's easier to get there and more. So... Every year, I, I diet for a show. And next year, I'll be leaner. You know, as long as I do everything right. Just because your body has been there before. So it's, oh, okay, I can do this. That's where when you take it to the next level, it's always harder. So yeah, that, do do a show. If you want to compete, do it now. Don't wait till 10 years' time. Eat as much food as you can consistently. Train hard. I'm, I've never logbooked anything in my life, man. I, I, you do, don't you? Do you logbook? Yeah, yeah, I do quite a lot. I think that's just me being maybe a meathead or whatever, but I don't really think it's needed, especially especially when you're young. Maybe you do, but I don't think it would have benefited me, to be honest, because I was always very trained as hard as I can for as long as I can. I don't think that my sets that I owe, you know, I do like five, six, seven sets, where some people do like two sets. I don't think they're wasted sets because they're either like warm-ups, just making you ready, or they're sets where I work really hard and I'm definitely accruing some muscle tissue growth you know um, but obviously everyone looks in terms of training in a different way I just I was never really a big fan of that kind of Dorian Yates kind of training style even when, um, you, were, when you were with Ben were you were you logging and writing stuff down or not no not really not in terms of weight although again I think you get too too glued on the numbers and like if next week you're not performing as well then more, especially for me like you know like not being the most mentally stable it wouldn't if you're like, oh, I did 50 kilos last week. I did everything perfect all week, but I only did 40 kilos this week. You know, I think it's just a bit too much. You know, if you have a rough idea of where you're at, I think I think that's the best way to do it. Obviously, other people have different opinions. 
But I mean, I've gained 75 kilos of muscle from when I started to last year on stage. And that's like with glutes to with glutes, definitely 70 kilos of muscle. That's doubled my body weight. My first stage weight was 69 kilos. That was 140 something last year. So gained a lot of muscle. It's quite an incredible feat, to be honest. But obviously, I really give myself the pat on the back that I would if it was someone else, you know? Well, if he's like, I can't see you, I'm like, wow, cool. But I'm like, yeah, it's all right, I guess. That's one of the things I was going to ask, as you mentioned about competing as soon as possible, because like, I've seen the photos from your first show. And what was your body weight then? Yeah, 69 kilos. Yeah. Well, I wasn't the best, was I? But, but, but that I shows that how, how far it, you uh, can go. This is it. Yeah, but that, that shows how far you can go. One other interesting thing you talked about earlier, I mentioned about the butterfly effect. So you mentioned that obviously you got into bodybuilding because there was a gym next to the garage you worked in. So for example, imagine if that gym wasn't there, we wouldn't be having this conversation and you probably never got into it anyway. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, I, when I was at school, I started training at the school gym with two of my friends, but I was too scared to go. So I went with them. We all went, they left and went back. I haven't left since. But I did have to get a note from mom and dad to say that I could train because you're not allowed to use weights until you're 16. So I had this note saying, please let my son use the weights. And he had, happens, it's our fault. So I started doing some weight training there. Lost some weight, got a bit skinny, but then I was like really embarrassed. I was all oh, look, look really bad now. So then that was when I went to Nissan and I went next door to the Bollywood gym. But yeah, if I hadn't gone in there and he hadn't done what he did, I don't think I'd be here now, to be honest. Um, so I do owe a lot to him and I don't talk to him anymore, which is a shame because I am that sort of loyal person, but people will just go different ways, roads in their life, don't they? Yes, uh, people change. One last question for you, Ryan. You mentioned it earlier. So are you going to try and do a show, do you think, next year if you get yourself back together? Yeah, of course. I love that. Well, it's, in my head, I have this, I want to step on stage and be like, which pet did he tear? As that was my original thought. But I think now it's going to be too hard. Like, the leaner I get now, I'm like, well, it's going to be too obvious, man. I think I'm just going to have to go up there knowing I've torn my back. Uh, everyone knows it, too. So I just think I have to do the best I can. You know, and especially if, if I still hold maybe 300 pounds of muscle on stage, shredded. I know, the, I know I'll get those down for the injury, but uh, I might still be able to do okay. I hope so, anyway. I, uh, I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt about that. Um, so to wrap things up, Ryan, where's the best place to check you out on social media? Uh, Instagram, Ryan Crowley 97 is what I use most. I do have a TikTok, the same. I do have a uh, YouTube too, but I'm not very good at editing and filming and you know doing the long type of videos. So I do stay away from that. I did do something in Dubai and I kind of wish I kept it up here, but I will get back to the YouTube kind of setup because I do feel like people then get to know you more personally. Yeah. So I do want to do more YouTube. But uh, yeah, just Instagram, man. Like everything's on Instagram. 100%. So thank you for everyone who's listened along to this. So we have obviously, as I mentioned, we've got a prize that's going to be given for relaunching the podcast, which is going to be three months worth of free coaching worth £1,500, £100 worth of tough wrap vouchers, £250 of Muscle Nation clothing supplements as a bundle. All you need to do to win this is leave a five-star review on iTunes, subscribe and share a screenshot of this podcast to your social media stories and tag myself and Ryan. And we will see you in the next episode of The Shredder Show. So that was an incredible episode of The Shredder Show with great friend Ryan. So he's obviously had a very challenging year. So it's awesome to talk about how he's overcoming these difficulties. Now, if you want help with your own fitness journey, I've got a couple of things that can help you. So below this, we have got a podcast episode. 
you can download a free copy of my abs black book training program which will help you in terms of developing your midsection and also take you through the video courses in terms of training your core uh, secondly we've also got the um, cjcoachingcommunity.com which you can hit the link in there and join my free uh, facebook group where we take giving daily training technique and tips alongside uh, free gifts daily in terms of ebooks and pdfs to help you and then lastly if you want more specialist one-to-one help you can use the link below the podcast and book in a free strategy call with myself and the cj coaching team and we'll see you in the next episode of the shredder show